Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I am one of your hosts, Andrew Gambardella III, or AG3, Gamby, whatever you want to call me. Um, And I'm the resident Yankee fan here on this podcast, and as joined always by my best friend forever and ever, Matthew Beal. How are we doing today? Fantastic. Today is a good day, except... It's the weather here where I'm at is not great, and I'm sure it's not great where it's you are. It's cold and rainy. Yeah, it's cold and rainy, right? But that doesn't Don't mean like it. it doesn't have to stop us from talking about sports. Now, um, I, I, if you saw on news today, Russia is invading Ukraine right now, which is very scary. Um, thoughts and prayers out to Ukrainian um, yeah, civilians and, and everything and everybody, but that's a damper um, in, in the world today, and it'll definitely have an effect on us, but doesn't mean we can't talk about sports. Right. Yeah. Um, I wish right. for the safety of everybody involved. And yeah, uh, war is a very ugly, ugly thing. Um, but we'll start on a much different note. Um, we talked a little bit about last time um, the old Yankee stadium since it's been knocked down in 2009, we haven't won a world series um, and it's brought bad luck because we didn't build the new stadium right on top of the old ground. So our guys are not playing on the same field that Derek Jeter played on, or I mean, Derek Jeter also played at the new Yankee stadium, but guys like Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, all the legends, Phil Rizzuto, Yogi Berra, uh, countless names, they're not playing on the same field. So they're not getting that same juju. Like the ghosts are outside of the stadium. You know, the ghosts should be helping inside the stadium. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I did some research. It's called Heritage Field. It's right. It's like a block away. Um, Beautiful, beautiful park. Um, It was demoed demolished the stadium in 2009, but this was not completed until 2012. Um, Beautiful plot of land, absolutely gorgeous. They still have a baseball field there where a team by the name of the Cardinal Hayes High School, Cardinal Hayes High School plays here. Um, And Cardinal Hayes, their mascot name, you want to guess what Cardinal Hayes High School's mascot is? The Yankees. No, that's the Cardinals. It's oh. Car- Cardinal Hayes Cardinals. Oh. Um, how, how odd. How unique. Yeah, how odd. Um, yeah. Really Billy, good brains. Billy Ott and Billy Froats um, went here. Yeah, Billy Ott, a great, phenomenal um, pro. Um, yeah, um, but that's beside the point. They, they haven't had many pros. Um, they haven't had many D1 ball players, but this is one of this is what I'm saying here. There's the good juju, right? They've only had three D1 basketball, uh, D1 baseball players rather, um, 
But this field, kid born in 2002 by the name of Tyler Roche, a pitcher, 6'4 pitcher, um, is currently at St. John's. Um, great pitcher. And then they got another, another kid playing college ball right now at Fairleigh Dickinson, um, on Monroe Community. I think it, I think he's playing at Fairleigh Dickinson right now and started at Monroe Community College. So they have two D1 baseball players right now. And wow. they only They're had the two before that in their whole entire history dating back to 1950s. Um, so these kids were both, both born, I say kids, like they're four years younger than us, but they're, you know, 19 year old, 19, 20 year olds. Um, so they played on this field um, in high school. And that's, I'm going to say that because they played on this field, now obviously they're probably very talented ball players, but I mean, is, is that a coincidence there? I, I think so. Um, the field is also home to like old monument park and a, a couple of old, old trinkets from old Yankee stadium, like an old bench and stuff like that. Um, but the park is also home to like other fields as well. There's multiple fields. There's, I'm pretty sure there's a tennis court um, in, at the park too, but it's a beautiful park. Um, so I'm sure it's been home to many great memories and many smiles. Um, the reviews on it are great. The local community loves it. Um, so I just wanted to talk on that and touch on that before we, before we got to what was going on in real sports today. Um, but I, I thought, I just, I don't know why we moved the stadium. I think it's just been bad karma ever since. Yeah. Yeah. You are pretty bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're not as bad as, as some teams like our neighbors, the neighbors to the South and the vision, the Baltimore Orioles, but we're uh, debatable. Okay. Well, we could debate that another day. I'm not going to waste my time today discussing that, um, but we'll move on to other news. Um, we'll move on to the M- Uh, Yeah. Other news in the MLB. Uh, MLB lockout update. Um, did you hear the update that I heard today? Um, and well, well this, I, did, this week. I did hear that, but to backtrack a few days, okay. um, John Henry was named the ambassador for like the new kind of negotiation, like ambassador. I, I don't know what the position necessarily is, but he's kind of the owner that's become in charge now. And there's a, pretty long history of him being more of like a owner who kind of lies closer to the player side. And so usually the MOB likes to employ him as the guy to get things done when things need to be done. So, uh, so that's good news. Also Red Sox owner for the players. Um, you know, you love to see it. He's kind of, he gets, you know, he gets business done. He's a great businessman. Yeah, so uh, is booming when he's comes and in the last couple of days, I mean, if you'd like to share, have uh, have been somewhat promising. Uh, I, I, um, I would say otherwise. Uh, they the league has come out and basically put their foot down, and basically they're trying to scare the players into accepting a deal that won't be favorable to them, which is what they'll probably do because the players losing out on money they have less substantially less money than the owners have. So the owners can wait this thing out. 
Um, they set a deadline as a deadline. They put in place a February 28th deadline. If a deal doesn't get done by February 28th, they're going to miss out. They're going to delay the season. And each game missed, I read, Max Scherzer will lose out on $236,000 every game that is not played this MLB season. Yeah. I but mean, I did also see that the MLB had agreed to up the minimum salary. Uh, okay. They I did. I think they're doing 10000 a year for the next like six years, which at the end of it, I mean, that's 60000 bump. Like that's, that's decent. They did offer that, but the MLB PA proposed. Um, um, so the MLB owners offered 640000 as a starting bonus. Uh, as a starting point, which is, I think, last year's was like 590 or 575,000, something along the lines yeah. of that. So a pretty big jump. Um, so they're mm-hmm. getting there there with minimum salary, but the players had asked for 775,000 as a minimum with $25,000 increases, where the owners are only offering 10,000. So that's, like, that's the only thing they're getting kind of close with. Um, but there's still 135,000 off as a starting point from what the, yeah. the, the players want versus the owners. Um, the yeah, other big, big things is the draft lottery. Um, the owners haven't even don't want it. They don't even want to talk about it. Um, so I thought the, they agreed on the top three picks being lottery. Oh, the owners want, I mean, the players want more picks to be in the lottery. So there's oh, more teams that care. So, yeah. yeah, I think they might be, yeah. Or maybe the players don't want any. No, no, no. But, yeah, you're getting me tripped up here. And whatever. The lottery is the lottery. Whatever. They're, they're off on the lottery, but I don't think that's a big sticking point. That's not a huge sticking point if it's just the top three teams. Um, yeah. I think they want to prevent teams from tanking. Um, so teams will not just pay – the minimum on veterans and, and start to get like valuable veterans who are just instead of leaving them in free agency um, instead of just going with young players who have promise, but are not major league caliber as some of the Wiley veterans that are still on the market, but bigger right. news, the pre arbitration bonus pool, um, the owners have stuck at 5 million while the players want a hundred million bonus for those top 30 players. Um, in pre-arb years who well deserve it, like the Juan Sotos of the world um, nowadays, um, for, like Tatis would be making big chunks of change. Um, and then also the biggest thing is um, the luxury tax threshold, like the quote-unquote free agents, uh, uh, the quote-unquote their like cap, you know what I'm saying? For, for those of you who, who aren't huge MLB fans that still listen to the pod, um, the MLB only proposes a luxury tax. You go above that luxury tax and salaries for the year on your team, then you are taxed um, based and all of your tax at a certain rate. Um, each increment you go up above that and whatever those taxes are paid to the rest of the league, um, rest of the yeah. teams. And if also I, draft picks are taken and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so there, there's pretty big repercussions, but 
you still can go over it. The Yankees have gone over it. I mean, a decade ago, they didn't even care about it, but now we're, we're tippy-toeing around it. Beside the point, they're $31 million off um, on what they want, on what the players want versus what um, the league wants as a high for the luxury tax threshold. And then the players want increases of $5 million a year while the owners are only do, like offering $2 million a year. I'm pretty sure the owners are starting at, I want to say it's like 216, something like that. And then going up by two each year while the players want somewhere around like 247, something like that. It's not, or the owners said 214. Um, the players want 245 and that's the $31 million difference. Um, so still a long way to go, but they're at least meeting. Um, but the, I mean, this is, it's like a school project, right? You save everything to the last minute. Like you get with your buddies last minute and you just crank it out. That's what I think this, yeah. it's going to happen. I, I think they're going to wait till that 11th hour, 59th minute, right beforehand and get something out because I mean, they have to, they really do. The owners and yeah. players both lose out on, on, missing regular season games yep yep yeah it's uh it's not an ideal scenario um i mean honestly i guess if there's a good way to look at it it's that lately they've been spending more time in the same room together trying to figure this out uh whereas like we were hearing reports early on that players and owners met up for 10 minutes and we're like nah. it's uh you know <laughs> Let's call it a meeting. And so, like, I don't know. I was yeah. I was encouraged to hear that some of these meetings were lasting for the entire day and, like, people are actually putting in work. But, you know, I mean, until there's a solution, it's it doesn't really mean much. So, yeah, I, I agree. We'll get there. I agree with you. Until they agree to anything, it's like nothing's happening at all. But 15, they had a 15 minute meeting last Thursday versus this Thursday. They're, they're in there all, all day. And, and yesterday, I think they had like an eight hour meeting. So, um, yeah. so that, that's at least optimistic on that front that they're at least sitting in the same room together trying to strive to a certain goal. But I want to know like if, if you're in that kind of power play debate and a collective bargaining agreement, you think like the owners bring in their personal chefs and have them like cook them lunch every day in front of the players that are just like the players probably Probably. go out to lunch too or whatever, but there's gotta be so much like subtle flexing in that room and so much tension. Like, I I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do, but I, if I was there, I'd probably just, I would give a lot of attitude to the owners probably, but probably not actually. They're, they're my bosses. So you, they're the ones paying me. So can't rub them all the wrong way. It's just a very interesting, tricky situation. I'm sure a lot more, some people are more bold than others, but I'd I'd love to see some of the outfits that, that they wear. I'm sure a lot of people are in suit and ties and very formal, but there's got to be some players showing up to that or even owners with some flashy, flashy things. Um, oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I'd just like to be in that room for that purpose. Um, but we'll move off the MLB because there's no games. Um, and we're still in the dumps, down in the dumps here as MLB fans. But 
Um, we'll move on to things that are about to start again. Um, and NFL's over. Um, we'll finish with, as we um, talked about last, last episode, we're going to finish with a conspiracy theory and it has to do with the NFL. And we'll talk about that last for today's episode. So stick around for that or fast forward to that. That'll be a very fun topic. But for right now, we'll move on to the NBA, which is about to pick up after the all-star break. I not going to lie to you. The all-star break did not entice me. I watched a lot of college basketball this weekend, but if you want to touch and talk about the all-star break, please, by any means, I know who won the three point contest and who won the game and how it ended, but that's about it. Yeah. I thought the dunk contest was pretty awful. (laughs) Um, I saw a meme and it was like, how great would it be to be Cole Anthony right now? You show it for, all-star weekend you break some dunks miss some threes and then you peace out it's like (laughs) like i I mean it was it was so bad like and not to pin it all on cole anthony but he he was not a highlight of the dunk contest by any means um the right guy ended up winning but it was just it it was kind of miserable it felt like if you made a dunk then you're gonna make it on to the next round and uh, that's just, I don't know, it, it's not really what I enjoy. Obviously, it's not what anybody enjoys. But, like, growing up as a pretty big fan of the dunk contest, it's really just gone downhill every year. Um, and then uh, the next day, John Morant was, like, doing 360 windmill dunks in the All-Star game. And uh, I don't know, the, the league just doesn't incentivize the dunk contest no, to the right people. Not, a, not nearly enough. For the All-Star game, the winner is um, – is a hundred is a hundred thousand while the losers in the oh, star yeah. star game each player gets twenty five thousand so that's a pretty big difference so at the end of the game yeah. um this past couple of years with the elam ending i don't know what your take is with the elam ending i did watch the end of the game i was i am interested in the elam ending i like that it ends with with just it ends with a shot i like that it doesn't yeah. end with the team just dribbling it out um yeah i like it LeBron hit a shot over my Chicago Bull, Zach Levine, who played excellent defense. LeBron threw up a prayer, and it was answered. Um, no, oh, LeBron, yeah. LeBron is great, and he did his famous over-the-right-shoulder fadeaway. Um, great shot to end the game. Yeah. Great way to end it, but Zach Levine, on the other end, hit a three to make it, make it a one-point game. So um, Levine and DeRozan both showed out. Um, so I, I couldn't be more happy as a Bulls fan. Um, but uh, I mean, honestly, I I wasn't uh, I, I was pretty confident in Team LeBron winning. I mean, they have yeah. the three best players in the league. Yeah, it, it was LeBron, Steph, and Jokic. Yeah, the, the draft. Oh my god. Um, but the draft and the fact that Durant drafts the team, right? But he doesn't even get to represent his own team. So I that that just hurts yeah. them as is. Yeah, because. Yeah, he's yeah. just not that good. Oh my god. Um you're you're terrible. But Durant is the best player in the league right now. It, it like Oh my god. When healthy, come on now. He's not healthy though. Okay, fine. Then he's the worst player in the league right now cuz he's not healthy. just that. No, he's just not in the I do say that. I do say that all the time. Durability is a stat. Um, yep, you got to stay on the court. LeBron's had a great year. Uh, 
Giannis is incredible in that conversation. Jokic, no. MVP leader right be- now. He's not even the best at his position. So I, Then I, why is he leading the MVP race over Embiid, Giannis, LeBron, Steph? Because of the stats he's putting up and the fact that it, it's he's doing okay. it without Jamal Murray and okay. they're in the heat of the playoff race. But thank you. He will not. And so what? What he has a case do better than Jokic. He he's basically versing himself based on his resume last year, and he's actually playing better than he did last year. So yep. I mean, yeah, hats off to him. But, I mean, there's a lot of great players in the league. Don't get me wrong. Luca and Ja, the, the league's in great hands with young players coming up. Um, yeah, and you were right all along about Ja Morant. You were right for picking him in 2K all those years. Your 2K rosters would be incredible right now um, for those franchises we took like four years ago. Your team would be like all 90s right now. Um, so hats off to you, Beal. You called that one. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, but Demar Derozan's in the MVP race, which is I, he's not going to win. I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. But yeah, he's not going to. I mean, he deserves more recognition than people are even giving him. He's been incredible this year. I mean, like he's brought a Bulls team that was borderline playoffs last year into the question. Like, I mean, yeah, we missed the playoffs. Kind of we didn't even make the playing game. We were yeah. the eleven seed. And now they're back and forth with the Heat for the number one spot in the East, and he's the only change that they really made um, other than Vucevic. But, like, I mean, DeMar has just been the clear guy that has changed the culture in in Chicago. So, um, I mean, honestly, the Bulls always had a good culture. It's like – it was kind of like what the Suns were before they got Chris Paul. It's like both of those teams kind of – felt like winning culture like they had great locker rooms they had um they had streaks where they would win tons of games at once and and that just kind of shows character and it shows that you're playing well together and uh and so all they needed was that one last piece just like the Suns when they got Chris Paul um now the Bulls getting DeMar DeRozan kind of just uh I mean that they, they have pretty similar personnel uh to what they had before DeMar and so uh, that was kind of the last piece to just propel them forward. And, and it was just, you know, icing on the cake to, to snag Lonzo and, and Vucevic as well. Yeah. And, and we haven't even had Lonzo for the greater part last month and we won't have him for another month. Him, Caruso, Patrick Williams Caruso. has only played yeah. five games this year. Those are three Poor guys Patrick. who were supposed to average at least 25 minutes a game for us. Um, two starters and a sixth man not playing right now. So for them to be second um, in the standings as a fan, I am absolutely, I'm shocked for one, um, but absolutely ecstatic um, and very excited for the things to come. If we can get those guys back. Um, Yeah. But I think the MVP will come down to, it'll come down to, I mean, like 90% of MVPs, they have a top three seat are on a top three seated team in either division and the nuggets just won't finish in the top three in the West. So if they somehow do, if they finish as three, if the nuggets somehow finishes a top three team in the West, Jokic will be the MVP, no doubt in my mind, but you know, the MVP is also kind of a team award as well. 
So it do definitely does affect your case as MVP. Yeah, but I mean, last year when uh, when Jokic won MVP, we weren't top three, uh, but the that was kind of forgiven because of the absence of Jamal Murray, and uh, and so given that Jamal's been out the whole year this year and not just you know the last couple months, it's uh, it, it almost kind of weighs in a little bit more. Well, um, especially with you, how you the were the three seed last year, so I, I I don't know what you're what you're. Oh, I thought we were the four seed at the end of the year, but still, I mean, it's I don't know. Um, at the end of the, I think in the NBA though we weren't top six, were we? Uh you were fifth. You were in a tie for yeah. fifth with the Clippers, but you. Well, that's fair then. You yeah. had a better conference record than the Clippers, so. Okay. Or worse. Oh, maybe you did finish as four, but right now it's listing it as third. Hold up. Let me deep dive into this. Maybe we were a third. Yeah, but it, beside the point, you're, you're right. You weren't a top of the top roster, but he definitely got some leeway with Jamal Murray going out. Right. So who knows? Who knows that's uh, who knows how that's going to play out, but uh um, it, it'll be interesting given that Jamal is out and MPJ has been out for all year, except for what, three games. So it's just, I don't know. It's kind of difficult to gauge right now. Um, but when you're averaging 26, 14 and eight, like, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's not a ton of argument against putting a guy like that in the MVP race. So, uh, and with the way the Nuggets were playing right before the All-Star break, they were starting to get onto a, a nice little stretch there. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it'll it'll be an interesting second half. Well, not second half, but like second third of the season, because um, the All-Star break so late. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping that Jokic kind of keeps doing what he's doing, and the Nuggets start winning more games as a team. But given the injuries and um, you know, COVID list, like it just, it's, it's been a little bit difficult for anybody to get that consistency. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's been a very weird season. So, um, and Jokic has been one of the best, but I, I just think Giannis, I think that team, the Bucks are going to find a way to be one of the top teams in the East. The Bulls have a very hard schedule the rest of the way. I think the Heat will finish as a top team, but Giannis, Giannis, Damar, and Jokic, out of those names, I think Giannis will finish as the MVP um, just because of the numbers he just racks up anytime he's on the court and, and how good that team is around him too. It will help his case. Yeah. But, um, but just keep in mind, the Bucks are also a five seed. So, I mean, they have a much easier route to three. They're only – well, they're tied for the team that's in third, that's... technically only behind them because of uh, uh, what's called loss. Uh, I guess it's I guess it's the percentage it goes off of. Yeah, it goes off. Um, it's just yeah. they have more losses. They they played. Yeah, yeah. and more the games. Nuggets. I mean, aren't too far back of the four seed, but obviously the Grizzlies have a you know stronghold on number three. And I, I don't really see the Nuggets getting to, you know, surpassing the Grizzlies unless if they just went on some crazy win streak. 
Um, but, I also yeah. don't get why Steph isn't getting more love for what, what he's done as a two-time MVP. It's because he got so cold. Yeah, he went a little, but I think if he Not even a little well, cold. He went, like, cold. He's still For, like, a up. month. I know, but that nobody expected him to be this good this year. He hasn't had another star around him consistently this year. And for them to be sitting comfortably at second in the West and the second best team in the league, I mean, that's got to say something to him and as a leader on that team. So, and the clear cut star of that team. Um, But yeah, that, that's just me. I think Steph, Kirk, Steph is my outside guy chance that I would pick to win. Because um, the Suns are just a good team. The Heat are a well-spread, great team. Um, so there's no – Jimmy Butler is obviously the leader of the Heat. And Chris Paul, Devin Booker probably – Devin Booker is the best player. But Chris Paul just got injured too, so that might – that could help. Brooker's chances of getting MVP if he puts on a show this back half of the year. Um, but yeah, that, that's what's going on in the NBA. Uh, it'll get more exciting as, as the season goes on. But what's even more exciting to me, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier, Beal. You know how much I love college basketball. It's almost March. I'm going to lead our March Madness group again. I'll get that thing running. Um, but oh my God. I love college basketball. And the fact that this weekend there was more people talking about college basketball than there was the NBA, it's just a testament to how how much college basketball has grown. Uh, I'm going to say that, but not really. This this is a prelude to, to maybe something you saw. Um, if you didn't see it, you probably should go watch the video because um, Jawan Howard – after the game, after playing yeah. Wisconsin, um, in the handshake line afterwards with Greg Gard, he Jawan Howard was mad that his team lost. His team's not going to make the tournament most likely um, in a game they really needed to win in Wisconsin to to have a chance at getting into the tournament um, and or, or supplant themselves in the tournament field. Uh, and he didn't like the fact that Greg Gard called a timeout to put his, to give his um, bench guys who were in the game a chance to get the ball over half court um, better when Michigan was full court pressing them down 10 with like 20 seconds to go. So I, I, I don't think there's good sportsmanship on either side there because um, you could argue there's not really a case to be made why you need to take a timeout up by, I think they were up like 14 or something, but why are you pre- Why are you leaving your starters in and pressing, uh, pressing the walk-ons? I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I mean, play good defense, but that's, that's a little like you're just trying to make the game look closer than it was at the end of the game. So, um, yeah, it, 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 I mean, he threw, it was definitely, I, Definitely Jawan Howard, um, like anger needs, needs to learn how to hold that in. Um, so, I mean, there, there's people on the wrong on both sides because uh, three players ended up getting suspended for a game for throwing punches, one on Wisconsin, two on Michigan. 
Um, Jawan Howard got suspended for five games and, and fined 40,000. So he got suspended for the rest of the regular season while the other coach got fined 10 K. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely was not a pretty way for people to get, um, involved in college basketball, but I love how heated it is. I love how, how much rivalries just, just overblow and, and they blow out the top off of a soda bottle. You know, it, it's just like, it's just like putting Mentos in a soda bottle when you get like Michigan versus Michigan state, or you get a South Carolina versus Clemson, even like even college, like just Duke UNC, those rivalries. I, I know I mentioned South Carolina Clemson. That's very biased on my part to even mention them in the same sentence as the other rivalries, but I love how heated yeah. college basketball gets. Big rivalry. Yeah. But I do have to ask you this. What's your take on ending the handshake line at the end of games? I, I hate I, that idea personally. I think you should be able to show respect for the other team. But yeah. uh, Patrick Ewing, coach of Georgetown, just came out and said they should get rid of it because of, of all of the, the tensions and stuff running after games. Tensions run high. What do, what do you think? I mean. I think it's a, a good sign of uh, um, sportsmanship, but I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with Patrick Ewing. I mean, it is the people in this sport are likely a little bit more hot headed than we are. And like, it's, it's easy for us to say, well, keep the handshake line. It's, you know, it's symbolic and it's tradition. And like, we all grew up with it in all of our sports, but, um, at a certain level, if it causes more um, distress than, you know, than necessary, then just cut it out. Um, I know the NBA kind of like they, they have a unorganized handshake line. Like some guys go over and like pay their dues and like say hi to their buddies and like old coaches and things like that. But some people just walk straight to the locker room and like there's nothing bad about that. Like if if someone on the air team walks to the locker room, it's not like out of disrespect. It's just expected that, you know, that person kind of just wants to get off the court in the moment. Like maybe they're upset, frustrated, and like would rather talk to people later. Um, I, I think that's not really a bad way of doing it either. Cause if you force everybody to, you know, just act like, you know, everything's good when they're pissed off after losing, um, most likely there's going to be some emotions uh, shown. So uh, people don't always act out in the way that they want to if uh, they're forced to, to talk to others in a moment that they're not ready to talk to people in. So if that's the case, like it clearly was with Joanne Howard, then, um, you know, figure out another time to go talk to the other coach or, you know, like kind of do it on your own and like pay your dues that way. But it doesn't have to be right after the game. Um, but it would be nice if people could just, you know, suck it up and, and be nice to each other for five minutes. Yeah. And Juwan Howard was at the back of his line when the coach is usually at the front, which is why Greg guard was stopped him. And, and I think, I, I don't know what really went on and what, but they, I mean, they were yelling at each other. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. They, and they were both pointing at each other, giving each other the, like, <laughs> Given like the good old like index finger point, which I I oh, yeah. think is so fun. It's like no, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. It's just so like it's it's like how we used to 
you know, it, it reminds me like when you're pointing like that of, of like when I used to play soccer at recess and I used to be pointing at where, where I thought people should, should be going for passes and stuff. Or, or when we played like pickup football at recess and you're the quarterback pointing like, go this way, go this way. And you're yelling like that. Um, That's what it kind of reminds me of. So it always gives me a nice little chuckle. Um, That's funny. Yeah. But in other news in college basketball, um, sorry, we're we're going to, I just cut you off there. Oh no, no, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, you probably didn't see this. I am a diehard UConn basketball fan. Um, mainly because all of my family's from Connecticut and I used to go to games as a kid. So UConn women's, UConn men's, Gino Oriema, um, Jim Calhoun back in the day, Kevin Ollie is coaching. Now we have Danny Hurley, son of Bo- great coach Bobby Hurley, who we mentioned last podcast. Um, but Danny Hurley, just like his father, is a hothead. Um, and we played Villanova two nights ago on Tuesday. Villanova, a team in the country, had them at home. RJ Cole, do do you want me? Did you do you know the result of this game? I do not. Okay. Do you want me to recap the last thirty seconds of this game to you? Sure. Okay. All right. I'll go last forty-five seconds of this game. Okay. Um. So forty-five seconds left. Villanova has the ball. There's 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, Villanova's up one. They are up 65, 64, 45 seconds left. Um, ticking down, ticking down. Right around seven seconds left in the shot clock. Villanova's power forward gets a wide open look at three. Who he's been pass- He's not a great three point shooter. Right around 30 percent. He'd been passing him up all game. He decides to take it in rhythm. Boom. Nothing but net switch. 68 64 with right under right around 35 seconds left um at this point or maybe 38 seconds left at this point i said that's that's the game right you would think that's got to be the game i mean there's no there's no way right you would be wrong right uconn comes back the other way right? right um and throws up tries to get to the rim throws up a shot uh, doesn't go in. Villanova gets the turn, <laughs> gets the rebound, and they're fouled. Right. So at this right. point, they're going to the line for a one and one with 31 seconds left. They're up four. Um, they are up four, and a chance to make it make it six here. Villanova now best free throw shooting team in the country, right around 83 percent from the line, rather. They have their sixth man in, 78% free throw shooter. I think his last name's Daniels. I know that. I think his first name's K- I think it's Caleb Daniels. And he hit mm-hmm. a clutch three about a couple minutes before that as well. He was having a, a great game. Um, goes to the line. In it, he, he like clanks it off the front like one of those rolls that could have a shooter's roll but doesn't. Clanks to the side mm-hmm. and rolls off. We get the rebound, push it up, take a timeout with 25 seconds left. Um, so we're down four, 25 seconds left. We sub in our sixth man, a uh, redshirt senior named Tyler Polly, uh, power forward slash small forward, sharpshooter. We run a play for him. 
Now, mind you this, our head coach had been thrown out with four minutes left in the first half. And I'll, I'll get to that after this game, after this, after I finish describing the game, we run a play for Polly. He sticks a shot in great defense, sticks a shot in this guy's face. And we, we make it a one point game. And, and at this point I'm screaming, it's around 10 PM, 10 PM, my roommates trying to go to bed and I am being an absolute degenerate just yelling at the screen when I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to work. But instead, instead, I thought, you know, it's better if, if I don't, you know, if I don't go to bed right now. Um, and I'm only getting these last 30 seconds right now that I'm, I'm actually remembering it. I'm pretty sure Vrindal Lenova had hit like four straight free throws to go up four um, instead of what I had said, they, yeah, they, they got fouled. So they got Sonogo, our big man. And, but they didn't hit a three to go up four. they hit another two free throws and two free throws before that, um, by getting fouled and getting to the line. So they had been making free throws, but Polly hits this. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. I, oh, I love the Huskies. God, he makes this shot crowds going crazy. It's at UConn. Um, Villanova takes uh, doesn't have Villanova has one timeout. So I thought they would take it after that, after we hit the three, they don't, they, they inbound the ball. Um, they get the ball in with ease to their best player, Colin Gillespie point guard, fifth year guy, 90% free throw shooter, but he picks up his dribble in that short, in that corner, that full court corner and his own like bot. If you are looking at it from the UConn, fan like the the student section he'd be in the bottom left corner if, if you know what i'm saying so like yeah. clo- closest to the benches you know his own his own half of the court he gets trapped rj cole and andre jackson are trapping him in that corner they tie him up jump ball whose possession do you think it is villanova no, you'd be wrong. It's UConn's possession. <laughs> we get the ball. We get the ball oh, back. And at this point, we're down 69-68. We're out of timeouts. Right, we have one timeout left. So we call timeout. We call timeout. Drop another play. We get RJ Cole, our point guard, our fifth-year guy. A lot of fifth-year guys taking advantage of COVID, which I love to see. I love senior guards. You know, I preach this every March Madness. Oh, yeah. uh, you can't beat senior guards. You just senior can't beat guards. Senior guards. But RJ Cole, a lefty, rather, gets in a pick and roll with Sonogo, our big man who had a great, another great game, sophomore big man, um, one of the best big men in the Big East. Um, so we get him in a pick and roll. It's RJ Cole versus a, a taller defender. Um, they have been putting their small forward, another senior on Villanova and been guarding him, done, did a great job on him. RJ Cole gets not expected. His, the whole scouting report on him is he only goes left. He drives right, and he gets a step Ooh. on his guy. He takes a little, like one of those left-to-right Euro steps, but he's taking a floater, a five-foot floater with his right hand while he's going like full, full speed towards the rim, so it looks awkward. Throws it up, and I, 
swear to you, it felt like 15 seconds that ball was in the air. Like I felt like I could have done like 20 pushups in, in that time period, <laughs> but that's nothing incredible. but net 70 to 69. And I'm going crazy, but there's still five seconds left on the clock. Villanova has the ball. They, they didn't call that timeout earlier. They call the timeout. Now they have five seconds to go full court. They do. Our man slips, Colin Gillespie, Andre Jackson slips. Gillespie looks like he's going to have an open layup to the rim. RJ Cole, the guy who just hit the shot, our senior guard, comes running over, plants right in front of him, and takes a beautiful charge. Um, Oh, man. A beautiful charge that Gillespie just didn't see coming. Now, charges nowadays, you don't have to be – you can – you don't have to be set. You can be moving just in a good defensive position. He wasn't moving. Gillespie did try to get out of the way of him, but definitely made contact, um, like substantial enough to call it. And the announcers really didn't argue it either. But it is, I would say, it's it's a tough it's a tough blow to Villanova the way that ended with the the tie up, you know, with guys throwing elbows and stuff. Gillespie was throwing elbows to not get tied up. But anyways, charge, we get the ball, we get fouled. There's only like, but when we inbound the ball, there's like 0.2 seconds left. Um, and the celebration starts after that. It led to a, uh, a court rush um, by the UConn, UConn faithful, rushed the court. Um, I thought that was a little premature, but. Uh, That's hype. We'll get to the, yeah. I, I, I hope I did a good job at explaining that. It didn't start Incredible great, job. but the last seconds, I think, last couple of seconds, I think I I definitely, the last 30 seconds I got right. But in the beginning with the threes, the, the last minute was a little phasey to me, but the last 30 seconds I'll never, I won't forget the rest of the season because that could be the start of something great for UConn because now we've won four straight. But beside the point, Danny Hurley got back-to-back technicals. The first one, he thought his player was hacked. And on the other end of the court, he had been having words with one official. But from the other end of the court, the official calls a T on him for, for slamming. For He threw like, you know, he slapped the, he slapped the, uh, the check-in table. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those pads. Yeah. He slapped it because yeah. he was mad at a call. Didn't say anything to the ref, got teed. So that was the first one. Um, nice. So for those technical fouls, you get two shots and the ball. Um, but right after that, Hurley, Hurley's like livid. He's like, what, what did I do? Like, what did I do? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, but then, and then the crowd starts booing and they get quiet for a little bit. And Danny Hurley pumps up the crowd, throws his hands up to try to pump up the crowd. Um, <laughs> and he gets tossed for that, for pumping up the crowd. Nice. He gets a second nice. check for that. So they had four Seems. shots in the ball. Um, the ref definitely knew he screwed up because he made a bad call on Villanova, literally the next possession as to like, like a makeup call. Like, but how yeah. is that going to make up throwing your coach out? That was with four minutes left in the first half. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I, I thought that was insane. Um but yeah, that, that's it for college basketball for me. I, I had a blast watching college basketball. Um, and I'm sorry for taking over a monologue there, but um, yeah, we're going to finish. Know, that's good. That's, yeah. That's some great information there. <laughs> Thank you. Pursuing, pursuing <laughs> always, my dreams. Always is, you got to love 
as a recap, uh, as an ESPN analyst, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, my resume right there. Um, yeah. which was, you gotta love that, uh, Northeastern basketball. Yeah. I mean, it's just fiery. I mean, the kids are just mad because the weather outside is terrible. So all they can do is play basketball. So, right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It. Yeah. Yep. Warm, warm weather. People just don't understand. Um, right. Right. But yeah, in the last, uh, I mean, that brings us to our last segment here. Um, oh, well, I have one thing to say about oh, yeah. basketball. Yeah. Hypothetically, if South Carolina men's team wins out, they can make March Madness. But winning out would involve beating Auburn and Alabama. But they've won four straight, and I'm glad you mentioned that, our alma mater. They're 17 and 10. That's pretty good. And eight and seven in the SEC. They've got a case as is right now. Um, But if they lose, they play Missouri. They have to beat Missouri. Missouri's not a good team. Um, They got to beat Alabama. And yeah, Alabama would be. Because you would expect to lose to Auburn. Yes. If they can win one out of Alabama or Auburn, they can steal Mm -hmm. a win there. Against Bama or Auburn. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then beat Missouri. They got a great case. But then they'll also need to win probably two games in the SEC tournament. And if they only beat Missouri, they'll need to they'll need to make a run in the SEC tournament. They'll need to get oh, to yeah. like the semifinals of it. They'll need to win three games. Need um, to beat Kentucky or least, Auburn somewhere along that way. They at least need to need to go like four and four including the SEC SEC tournament to to finish the season. Because if they get get above 20 wins, there's a case to be made for them to have a spot in the tournament. But definitely, I mean, they didn't didn't have a case, you know, a couple weeks ago. So for them to even have a case now is is promising and very hope and and, and nice to see that they're playing meaningful, meaningful basketball. Um, Good old Frank Martin. Yeah. But we'll finish with the NFL. And before we get to our conspiracy theory real quick, Aaron Rodgers, did you see his Instagram? Nope. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how you didn't see this. He basically (laughs) wrote paragraphs about his ex-fiance, Shailene Woodley, um, the actor from Divergent. I don't know if you know her, but um, yeah. yeah. Basically Mm -hmm. saying – um, that he loved spending time with her. And it's based – he was in his fields. After the season, he went – Oh, I did said, hear about that. He said he went through a 12-day cleanse, um, mm-hmm. and he was in his fields remembering all the good days. Um, so – but if you're – if you got to open up about your fields, right, I think the worst place to do it is Instagram, in my opinion. Like, I'm calling you, right, and I'm going to talk about, like, my – my feelings and stuff or I'll, I'll call one of my other boys if you know if I get yeah. if I get dumped and stuff like I I don't know I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers needs a great best friend right now uh, I, yeah, I don't know if he if he has that so I, I really do feel feel bad for him in that aspect I mean it's hard to feel bad for a guy making 40 million dollars a year um, and getting to play football for his career but I mean, everybody needs friends, right? You know? I agree. Yeah, and everybody you? love everybody, just like the quote from Semi Pro. 
All right. All right. Well, without further ado, oh, and, and Aaron Rodgers is deaf. I don't think he's going to play for the Packers, but that's that's beside the point. I mean, he'd be no, dumb not to because be no, he won't be, but he should stay with the Packers because the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings are so bad. Um, yeah. And that's the easiest division to win. So, but we'll get to our conspiracy um, to wrap up the show. Um, the conspiracy that we're talking about today does have to do with Super Bowl XLVII. I said that like I didn't know what that stands for because I don't think I do, Beal. I think it's Super Bowl 47. 48? Oh, 47. The, yeah, yeah, 47. The year after the Giants Super Bowl because yes. we were XOVI. Yeah, XII is eight. Right, 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 right. Roman numerals. Yeah, yeah I should know that. But it's math. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, counting. The, the L always trips me up. The L and the X. Fair I, enough. Yeah, it's the order yeah. of that. It like means never mind. Um, yeah, but it's 50 it was minus Ravens. 10 plus 5 plus 2. Yeah, 50 minus 10 plus, plus 7. Isn't that what? Yeah, but I said a, plus 5 plus 2. Same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, um, but Super Bowl 47, in which the Ravens beat the Niners. Um, but this game was a stinker to start the half. Um, the game was 20 to 6 after Jacoby Jones just interviewed, inter, um, took back a 108 yard kick return to start the second half. And it looked like the 49ers were dead in New Orleans. They, they were going to die. Um, not that, not. They weren't going to die. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like their hopes and dreams of the Super Bowl were going to die. Yep. Yep. Yes. They were quickly fading away. Um, yeah. Sorry. Sorry for my, for my words there. Didn't, didn't fully explain that at first, but yeah, their Super Bowl hopes and dreams were about to fade away into the abyss gone. Then the power goes out somehow, some way the power didn't go out at the halftime show. The power goes out afterwards. Right. For 34 minutes, then the game gets close, gets crazy. The game ends 34 to 31 with the Ravens holding on to, to win. Um, but there's the conspiracy in this is that a set, a set of people, somebody turned off a set of the lights for this game to be delayed for 34 minutes. Now, I came prepared with a bunch of different groups that – could have been the victim, uh, not the victims, could have been the cause of this. The culprit. Of, the culprits, right? Now, yeah. here we go. Listen to me. Listen, listen to these and then pick, pick the option which you think. I, I won't even make a case for any of them. I'll just list options. Option A, rogue 49ers fan. Maybe they were upset. Okay. Maybe not. You know, something. If I were 49ers fans, finds a breaker and just switches it off. Beyonce. Beyonce did the halftime show. Phenomenal halftime show. It's one of the most memorable in recent memory. Beyonce, maybe the lights flashing, a delayed power outage later. Anarchist Saints fans. Crazy Saints fans. This is another, like, you know, maybe they were just mad that the Saints didn't, didn't make it to the Super Bowl that year. And, and they were still mad about Bounty Gate. Um, 
But, you know, Saints fans don't love the NFL. The NFL doesn't love the Saints with, with all that's happened. Um, right, right. Option D, CBS themselves, the sports network. Um, they want – or not the sports, CBS. They wanted to play more ads, so they got, they got some people to just shut off the lights. Um, option E, I'll go with the NFL. The NFL wanted a closer game, so they had to power outage and then tell the refs to make it closer. Option F is God. So he just wanted it to happen that way. And then I'll finish with the seventh option here. This is my seventh, eighth option, right? Is some, mm-hmm. some celebrity was like, you know what? I want to enjoy the Super Bowl more. I want to enjoy this more. And Jeremy Piven, I, I did my research. He was at that Super Bowl. And maybe he wanted, you know, to soak up that entourage feeling again. Um, so maybe Jeremy Piven there at the game did did something fishy i mean he was a he was a very lively character on entourage and i'm sure he is in real life too but yeah my real option g here is it was a harbaugh first harbaugh super bowl jim harbaugh coach of the 49ers john harbaugh coach of the ravens i think it was the parents i'm going with option g their parents were like we want to see our sons hang out on this field and just soak up this more. I'm going to say Jack and Jacqueline Harbaugh caused this. Yeah, they, they wanted it to never end. Um, I'm kind of with that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think actually most likely scenario, um, obviously that is, it's God. Like God definitely did had something to do with it. Um, but I, I think the NFL and CBS, maybe the game was going a little bit too quick. You know, the, yeah. the national I'm anthem hit the under, um, and they were upset about that. They wanted to get in more ads. Um, so I, I think that's what it was. They wanted to make a lot more money on ads. And, and they wanted Ray Lewis to go out on a storybook ending. Um, and obviously, they want a closer game for better viewer, viewership. So, right. What better for I'm, the storyline? Yeah. I'm do with you, the CBS have... NFL partnership okay. there. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add for this conspiracy theory? Um, Any other yeah. options that I haven't, haven't talked about? I mean, I haven't done deep research on this yet, uh, but may, maybe I will for next podcast. I'm intrigued because when the lights go out, there's, always a cause and you could always figure out what the cause was and so whether it was the block and maybe like a transformer had blown or something outside the stadium like that's really easy to track back to um or like if it was a lever or something that was pulled like obviously you're walking the stadium when the power goes out and you're like oh you know we got this lever down or this circuit breaker went out i've never seen anything after that Super Bowl, that said what the cause of the power outage right. was, and so obviously, if that's the case, then the media is controlling it. If it were a football team, then it, if okay, well, if it were a football team and the NFL didn't want the public to know about it, uh, a similar thing would happen. That happened with the Yankees when they cheated and Manfred sent them a letter and they never opened the letter like that. You know, 
Yankee cheaters. But I think like, it's great that you mentioned that because, well, not Yankee cheaters, not that you're, yeah. Why did you have to say that? I, I mean, I'm just saying though, if it was a team and even it, like the NFL would likely announce this team cheated, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yes. We're going to go through this procedure, whatnot. If the NFL didn't want it being public and wanted to just move on, there would be something. There would be right. this little That's loose end, I, I like maybe letter sent to the team, maybe court case that happens in private. Like there would be, there would be whispers, but there's absolutely nothing. So yeah. I think it has to do with the TV um, because you know they control what gets out. They're the media. If the NFL and TV department decide not to let this out and to come up with this grandiose plan to make the Super Bowl longer and get more money uh, and more viewership, then, you know, it's very doable between those two entities. Yeah, I think the NFL can hide a lot more under the rug than fan. Like, if it was a fan, a singular entity, like a team, it's got to be a bigger power. But I wouldn't rule out God, man. Maybe he just wanted the Harbaugh's to have some more brotherly fought battles on the field. Um, and and yeah. something just happens. You, you never, you never know. Or, or maybe the stadium itself was like, yeah, I don't like the way this is going. Um, I want a better show on my own home turf. So I'm just going to fail here. Um, yeah. But the most likely scenario, I think, um, which the NFL will never admit is that they, they did some shady shady stuff here um yeah yeah um it's surprising they didn't just pin it on some fan like yeah they pin like, it on you know, like if some, it were a fan, then some they random were eager to pin that yeah you know just you know joe joe dixon you know yeah yeah some just, random fan of a team crazily like went into a breaker room and just pulled a bunch of breakers and yeah and fuses yeah and, and they're stuff. like oh yeah mr joe here like he's he's a dick yeah um they didn't do that um and it's a little bit surprising because the nfl just loves pinning stuff on other people so i'm surprised that even though like they might have done this they didn't just pin it on some some random like you know i don't know reporter or something like that like oh we had an intern like accidentally pull this lever and the lights went but then out you're, and yeah, and you're then you're threatening with like false accusations and a, an eventual lawsuit back on the nfl which only brings more light on the situation so they yeah, kind of well, just shoved yeah. it under the rug here which yeah. they did a great job of doing i, I haven't heard anything about it in since yeah. like 2014 since right like, yeah so, but yeah, that wraps us up today's show. Um, if you have anything to add, we can, we can like, you know, add a little, little piece to the start of the next episode, but I think that was a good start to conspiracy theories, just making light of that. Um, and feel free to do your own research y'all, um, about that. Um, cause it, it is a very interesting topic. Um, but that does it for me. Have a great yep. night, day weekend um weekday depend well yeah because if you're listening to this in like japan you're like a day earlier so it could be a weekday yeah, yeah. okay sunrise sunset as always we love you guys um thank you for being here in the early stages and thank you for <laughs> 
for bearing with us. We can't wait for the MLB season to, to start. So hopefully they meet the February 28th deadline, cross our fingers. And next episode, hopefully we'll be talking about the new CBA deal. Yep. Hopefully we yeah. will see. And we'll let you guys know if we're going to miss some baseball this year. Yeah. Sad, sad days. Sad days. Jokic for MVP.